Hello, I'm Karen, who you met in episode nine. It's good to have you back for another episode of Nobody Dies Here. This time, we're featuring another woman well-known to the injecting room community. Angela's a proud Aboriginal woman and auntie to many around here. In this interview with Michelle Ransom-Hughes, last year she was on the verge of a big change. Aboriginal people are advised that this episode contains the name of someone who has passed away. You'll also hear about an overdose death. Take care while listening. I'll probably introduce myself as a middle-aged Yoda Yoda Tanaron woman. That's my mob, my family. So that's out west, right? Echuca, around Echuca Shepparton. Across, across that region. Total, I spent 23 years there doing all sorts of jobs from farmhand to, to an office and tending up nursing. <laughs> nursing? Yeah, I didn't didn't get to finish. I done I done my div two. I was a div two for seven years. The Shep retirement village. I worked there yeah, in the palliative care. Oh, that's hard. Yeah, it was. It was good though. It was, uh, something I sort of got from my grandmother. Just been by her side, and it was her and her sisters that years ago, like they nursed my great great grandmother. You know, they nursed her and started an aged care facility, which yeah, started off family members. That was my logo home, and yeah, end up being a fully funded operational place back up in the country. And I guess I just got that secondhand experience from my nan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Even just seeing you with your daughter before, there's so much warmth. It must be part of your uh, lineage. Yeah, that loving yeah. care. It is, and I find it very hard to separate myself, like yeah, from the kids and that. But yeah, um, I think I've given them a fairly good upbringing. Yeah, their father's passed since. So, mm. so are you on your own now? Yeah, I realised a little too late. You know, I've lost my soulmate. Mm. You know, it was Brian all along, kid's father. You know, I had the best 23 years of my life. It's yeah. a long time to love someone, though. It is, it is, especially with, with our mob too. <laughs> like, it's hard to keep the family together, you know. Yeah, and that's, that's where I come down here. You get two totally different experiences. you got... Oh, how would you explain it? It's more community-orientated, just up bush compared to down here. Here down, it's like they're separated and they've got, they've lost their, I don't know, lost their, I think they're, they're lost, most of our mob down here. That's probably partly from taking away, you know, sitting in places like Gertrude Street. And, right. Yeah. So no one can go there now? No, it's not the place it used to be. We used to travel from country, you know, anyone could tell you that they'd come from all over Australia and know just to go to Gertrude Street and someone will point you in the right direction because someone in your mob will be there in the park, you know. So what brings you to here, to this place? Well, yeah, that was following my daughter, I guess. My daughter used to... 
when she first got housed down here, she got housed just over here in Cook Court, across the road from the high rises, the little six story flats. Yeah, so I was actually on the streets for a while because, you know, me and my kids were all going through a bit of a tough time. My kid, my son trying to find his feet, <laughs> you know, and didn't know where he wanted to be, losing their father. And yeah, we've just gotten really close now, um, me and my two kids. Yeah, so she's got. She brought me here. Now she's driving out to Tarnate, and I'm here still living here because my transitional property is actually just across the road. Yeah, I've been there for seven years now. I think. So does that mean you're like the queen of here? <laughs> Jokingly, but yeah, I like to joke with them too. It's like yeah, I do. But I think I learnt that. I think I've actually earned that out there. It's just yeah, trying to teach people help. People, you know, you can't you can't tell somebody what to do or how to do it, but you can only guide people. But are you regarded as auntie? Yeah, auntie, mum, nan, you name it, and that's Asians, Indians, you know, all nationalities talking to me like that. <laughs> and, you know, they're only too ready to help if needed and, yeah, either way, <laughs> whether I'm going off with them for <laughs> what they've done wrong, but, yeah. No, I, as I say, I think I've earned that. What sort of um, help do you get through the injecting room? Oh, it's been a long journey for me. Like, I've been trying to get detoxed and that, you know. Um, this is where they've stepped in and, and helped made that a little bit smoother. But it's taken nearly two years to get me into detox and rehab. Are you still waiting? Uh, well, it's... In this next couple of weeks, they're telling me to get my bag ready now so I can start getting a little bit excited and preparing. And they, they've that's where they step in and they've helped again, you know, like whether it be I need a bag and, you know, make sure I've got all the essentials to go in there, you know, they just make all the transitions a lot smoother. At first it was like I was cut off morphine, so I tried heroin for the first time in my life and it was only like seven, eight years ago. Uh, well, I'm 52, but I caught say I'm a late bloomer when it comes to that. And I've had a few big ODs, and one where I've had one of my workers in my home and not even known that, you know, sitting through me overnight with my daughter because I stressed her out that I just couldn't come out of it. I kept going into deep sleep and she didn't know what to do. And I know now uh, I've never want to put that fear into my kids. Uh, I know that I can come to the gallery and know that I'm going to be in the right hands, you know, and it's not going to be a stress on family or friends. Yeah, I've gotten to an age now where I just want to get back what I had. I used to be a successful woman in the community, a mother, a grandmother, you know, a daughter, my mum's 74, stolen generations. Yeah, I want to... Well, we've got some healing to do, my mum's getting on. Breaks my heart every day looking in my mum's eyes, you know. It's just so much sad and sorry, so much that I haven't said and need to say. And, but you haven't said? Yeah, just, just, yeah, well... Everything I've gone through these seven years has been a hard journey for me with this drug, and I'm just about on top of that. You know, my kids are excited, and yeah, that I, yeah, because I've been waiting a long time for this. And I was so used to be successful, 
No one here is saying the success that I've had. Sorry, this, it's nice to talk to people sometimes. You know, well, I've done, I'm going to say, a few detoxes and a few rehabs and haven't really been ready, you know. I hadn't matured in that respect, you know. Yet now I'm seeing people, you know, dying around me, you know. Yeah, it's just scary. That's what I say. You can come to a place like this and know you'll catch up with that person. Or if, you know, you're worried, you can at least ask them, have you seen such and such? But, you know, we're losing someone just about every week now and it's, it's getting a bit scary. Just spoke to one of the boys before and said, you know, how's our other little mate, you know, one minute he was there and then the next minute he's gone. It's like, that's just how quickly you can date someone. And, yeah, you can know coming to a place like this that if you haven't seen that particular person for a while, well, you know, well, you better start worrying, we better start looking, you know. Found out we've lost another one who's passed away. Just recently? Yeah, just last night, actually, and no-one expected it. No-one was <laughs> saying, Frankie... No, he's a very quiet person, not a fighter or nothing, just a follower. Yeah, you barely knew he was even there because he didn't, you know, barely spoke. There's a few people that have, you know, just disappear and, you know, you just... Because, yeah, if they're not coming here, then there's something wrong, something's happened. Yeah, it's good to have a place like this. Without it, I guess we'd be non-existent out there. I always say don't make judgement of me when I'm sitting on the street because this could be you tomorrow, you know? There's behind every face is a story, I say, and, yeah. I know I can go off and there'd be so many, it would be easy for me to write a book. <laughs> well, I hope you do. Yeah, Michael's done it. He's done the first 40 years of his life. I'm yet to see the second part now. I'm waiting for that one to be published. <laughs> well, you know, it only takes a couple of pages a day and after a, a year or two you'll have that book. Yeah, yeah, that's a good That's a good way to start. Thank you. Quite a lot of um, storytelling's coming out now. People want to hear it. Yeah, that's true, that's true. That's and really people would sit back and they think, shit. Yeah, some people, I get people in the city that sit around with me and they just want me to keep talking and <laughs> keep telling them, like, yeah, just how far I've come. That's, I, I've really been lost since the day that I walked away from my shopping trolley, you know, I have one of those carts that you pull. Yeah, I had my life in there. I had my whole, I had all my medications. I just got from a chemist. I had my job file, which had 20-odd certificates in it, you know, that you can't replace. I'd, I'd rang the police station, you know, every week for, like, two months. You know, has anyone handed in a job file, certificates in it? It's really hard for me to get them back. I've got, I mean, I have rung TAFE. Goulburn Ovens TAFE in Shepparton and we got them to send a list of things that I've done there. Goes from carpentry to mechanics to sewing, dressmaking, um, uh, what is it, vocational office skills certificate to be a junior receptionist at Melbourne Uni, my first job ever. 
of Professor Blaney and he was a historian. Yeah. They spoilt me when I worked there. I'd done 12 months at Melbourne Uni. And it was like two years later, I'm my old boss, you know, Lynn Rout, that was her name. She came all the way up because I left there, got homesick. 12 months in Melbourne, I had to go home, you know, back to the bush. And But I went back and got my uncle's job as a cultural officer um, for conservation forests and lands. And, yeah, my, my boss turns up, my old boss. And, oh, wow, that's I was remembered. You know, that, that blew me away, you know, that this woman had that much of an interest. It was, yeah, she just loved to see me succeed, you know. So you could maybe go and do some more study? You seem to like studying. Yeah, I would, as long as I've got to be fully established somewhere. You know, I need to be in my permanent housing, I have, which I haven't got yet. It's just transitional. Oh, OK. Yeah, I mean, it's transitioning for seven, eight years. So, yeah, but I haven't really pushed to get away from here because I've felt that belonging here at the moment. Like, it's, yeah. Like my daughter just moved out Tarnish. She It's beautiful, you know, open and um, much quieter than in here. But, yeah, it's just finding feet here first before I can study or, yeah, work. One step at a time. That's it. I'm taking them baby steps. I've got to do this detox, rehab, and slowly get back into work and stuff. So much to do. There is. There's a lot. And I get a little bit closer and a bit teary and a bit angry and, oh, there's so many mixed emotions. It's. <laughs> but you feel ready? I do. I'm really ready this time and to put it all behind me and never look back. Oh, and I'm, I, look, I'd, come, I'd be the first one to come back and I wanted to, I wanted to be able to... I'd love to get Vivian's job that she had here. I think she was a curry... It was a curry sort of ALO position... So you'd like to do this kind of work? Yeah, social-type work, just to be that person that, you know, they can know that they can come up and ask, oh, can you steer me in the right way? Who can I talk to about, you know, whether it be NDIS or just all these other little things that they could be getting help with. I've lived out on the street too to know what people's agendas are out in the street. I've lived that, and parts of it I've enjoyed, but a lot that I haven't too. <laughs> I've been through about 70 phones. I've been a target. They stole my electric scooter off me in the city. Yeah, turned my back for a half a minute. That was all it took. And away the road with my electric scooter. The only one thing that ever annoyed me about this, oh, two things, that they put it close to a bloody school. I mean, a lot of people, I don't know if I want to go into that, but yeah, a lot of people didn't like the fact that the centre was being built here and too close to school. And Where else would it be? Well, that's it. It doesn't matter. You're going to be faced with it no matter where you go. Um, and I know my grandkids used to walk to school and sometimes see people who have, you know, OD'd or they're just off their guts and all, you know, sitting in the park. Or, But my grandkids walk with their head high unless they've seen something, you know, not right. They come home and tell us, I think he, he's, you know, dead and like OD'd. <laughs> because I know Nan can give the injection to an old trick zone. You can yeah, spray it in the nose or give the injection, but yeah.
Is there anything you want to say about like connections that you've made with staff maybe or anything else that you want to talk about in relation to the place? They're only too ready, like all the workers are always only too ready to, you know, a listening ear, be a listening ear, um, guide you, you know, make things a little bit easier, whether it comes to appointments, you came in to, they might have come in to inject, but at the same time, yeah, they've got a toothache and, you know, something needs to be done, they don't, they, you know, workers quickly jump in and, you know, they'll get on the phone and we'll have a how about if I get you a dental appointment right now, you know, would you be ready to go over, you know, and they're quick and ready to fix problems like that. And, yeah, people know that they can come here and get help. It's been an asset for the community and us, you know, and, and it's even, even for people who are coming from the country, they know they can you know, when they do get their drugs, they can come to a safe place. You've got people coming from country towns, you know, even interstate. And today, what they've done today, the barbecue, the donuts, all of that, it's... We were, I know I felt pretty special out there and, you know, the table got tables and chairs today. We're going to sit like, you know, human beings. All we need now is the waiters. <laughs> and the atmosphere, like, yeah, we played a bit of cricket and... That's, awesome. that's lovely to see, and that's, it makes people feel a, a bit of belonging too. When they've, like, especially when you know, you're using a drug, I guess, it's, you make yourself, you, you're violating yourself, that you know, you're harming yourself, and then you don't feel any sort of, you think, why did I just do that? I know I, I torture myself straight after I've done it and think, oh, I've got nothing out of it, no enjoyment out of it. But it's getting good, these little community things that we're having. It's giving people a, a belonging, you know. I, I was surprised at the number of people that came today that was around. It was a good vibe, wasn't it? It was. There was a lot of faces that you don't normally see in there, but it's good to know that it's gotten further, you know. Like I say, they're coming from country and they can safely do it instead of sitting in a car doing it or doing it in public toilets. <laughs> So, again, I think it's, it's something like what we had in Gertrude Street, the Aboriginal people had, you know, a place of significance to them where, you know, like a meeting place as well as a healing. <laughs> oh, I think that tops it off, yeah. Hi, it's Karen, back with you again. Uh, thanks to Ange for sharing some of her stories. The barbecue she was talking about at the end there was an event put on for the injecting room's fourth birthday. This episode is dedicated to Frankie. If you're injecting drugs, please take care of yourself. If you can't get to an injecting room, at the very least, make sure you're not alone or tell someone what you're doing. If in doubt, halve your taste 
Your life matters. Nobody Dies Here is an independent production of Alongside Radio. It's made by Michelle Ransom Hughes. If you like the show, we'd love you to share it with someone else or give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening. Hey, Michelle here. Thanks so much to Karen for hosting this one. This series was recorded on Wurundjeri land and produced on Turrbal Yagara country. First Nations sovereignty has never been ceded. Next up in the queue is the series finale, closing time at the MSIR. Thanks for listening.